Well, good morning. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word now, we pray that you'll make it clear and plain. And we pray, pray above all that your spirit will so take your words and apply them to our own hearts. We pray that you'll speak to us this morning, each one individually, where we are right now, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you um, saw the little story in the news just the other day. Um, it was about NASA. Uh, they're about to crash a spacecraft into an asteroid. Um, in is what is going to be called the Armageddon, Armageddon test of planetary defenses. And the space agency um, will attempt to deflect an asteroid for the first time, which it's thought could save the planet one day from uh, extinction. I don't know whether you've seen the film Armageddon, because this, is, um, this mirrors the film. And if you've seen the film, you'll remember that um, a crew led by uh, Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, uh, they actually landed onto an asteroid, and um, they used a nuclear bomb to split it apart. In fact, the location of Armageddon, Hill of Megiddo, is the setting of our Bible passage this morning in the area of Jezreel. So you've got Mount Carmel, and then you've got the vast plain of Jezreel, which is uh, the place of Armageddon. Um, the real-life uh, operation doesn't include a crew. I don't think they've called up Bruce Willis for this one. Um, the rocket will blast off on November the 23rd. And when it gets close to the asteroid, which is a small moon that they've selected, about the size of a football stadium, it's about 7 million miles from Earth, so I don't suppose we'll see it. We probably won't be affected by it. Um, but this spacecraft, which is about the size of a golf buggy, it's going to be navigated directly at the asteroid and it's going to hit it at around 15,000 miles an hour. Um, and the collision is only going to change the speed of the asteroid by less than 1%. But they reckon it will be sufficient to throw it off course and change the form of its orbit. Well, as I read the story it reminded me of the effect that our seemingly puny golf buggy prayers have on the heart of our almighty cosmic God. The great Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of, in, um, of an omnipotence. I'm pointing it at this one. I don't know where I'm supposed to be pointing it to. Uh, you can move it on. There we go. Oh, there's Bruce. Okay, and on again. Yeah, and on again. That's it. Okay. In life groups, we have been enjoying these past few weeks this series on Elijah, this giant of faith whose prayer life 
was immensely effective. Each week in our studies we have seen his faith grow, although it seemed pretty impressive right at the start, didn't it? When he blasted onto the scene in chapter 17, he, uh, without any introduction, he says to King Ahab, who was the mighty ruler of the day, he says, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Well, Elijah was either absolutely insane or else he had a profound faith in a sovereign God that God would honour his word. And we know what happened. The rain stopped. The crops failed. The earth became parched and crusty. The rivers dried up. Economic success was paralysed. And people became hungry and thirsty. And then in week two, we saw Elijah go a stage further in his faith. And he performed the first recorded raising of a dead person. Wow. (laughs) I'm sure that if you prayed for a healing and the dead came back to life, that would certainly bolster your faith, wouldn't it? And then last week, week three, was this confrontation on Mount Carmel. One man, Elijah, against the 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. Elijah was so convinced of the outcome that he even doused the the altar with a large amount of water to, to demonstrate the almighty power of God. What a victory. God used this one man to start the purge of evil and the restoration of the one true God. And then we come to chapter 19, this chapter that we've started to read this morning. And you can almost hear an audible sigh from the Bible historian who penned these words as he puts his head in his hand. I'm so glad that the Bible tells it just like it is. It shows human weakness as well as the strengths. It shows the sorrow as well as the joy. It shows the evil as well as the good. It speaks of God's justice as well as his love. It talks of a hell as well as a heaven. And we see the hardship of following Jesus as well as the tremendous blessing that comes from following him. Who would have thought that this giant of faith, who stands head and shoulders taller than any of the other Old Testament prophets, who would have thought that Elijah would run away by himself into the desert, broken, desolate, depressed, wishing to die? We are far more conscious today of mental illness than in any previous generation. We see it in the papers, we hear it on the television very, very often. And this may be because it's more prevalent today than in any other time. And there are many, many reasons for this. 
And I don't want to minimize the experience of anyone going through the darkness of mental illness. It is estimated that one in four of us will experience a mental health issue in any given year, COVID apart. Here are some statistics from uh, NHS Digital and Mental Health First Aid England. Just this week, it was reported that about 300 people a day are going to A&E feeling depressed. In fact, feeling depressed in the year to March this year was a patient's main complaint. And given the figures, it would be surprising if there were not a, quite a few people in our congregation this morning, either watching online or present here in the building this morning, who are suffering some form of mental illness or mental health disorder, which refers to a, a wide range of mental health conditions. There will be disorders that affect your mood, that affect your thinking, that affect your behavior. It might be depression, it might be anxiety disorders, could be schizophrenia, could be eating disorders, could be some sort of addictive behavior. Many people have health concerns, mental health concerns from time to time, but it becomes a mental illness when the ongoing signs and symptoms cause frequent stress and affect your ability to function. It will make you feel miserable. It can cause problems in your daily life, in your study, in your work. It can affect your relationships. Sometimes symptoms of a mental health disorder appear as physical problems. Could be stomach ache, could be backache, could be headaches, or other unexplained aches and pains. And if you've got any signs or symptoms like that of a mental illness, then you should see your primary care provider or a mental health professional. These sort of illnesses tend not to improve on their own. And if they're untreated, a mental illness can get worse over time and cause serious problems. The causes of mental illness are numerous. It could be in your bloodline. It could be caused by stressful life situations. Redundancy can do it for you. Financial difficulties. Of course, there's the death of a loved one. That could push you over the brink. Could be a divorce. It might be caused by an ongoing medical condition. It could be some sort of traumatic experience. It could be use of alcohol or recreational drugs. It could stem from childhood abuse. Could be relationship issues. There are many, many reasons for the cause. So what was the cause of Elijah's depression? Well, chapter 18 ominous, ominously ends uh, in verse 45. It says, Meanwhile, 
the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Well, I want you to imagine what followed. You see, that event on Mount Carmel was an all-male event. And so Jezebel, she wasn't there. And so when Ahab returns to Jezebel in the palace, and Elijah presumably goes off to find some sort of humble lodging to spend the night, and all day long, Jezebel would have been waiting for news of how things were going on Mount Carmel. She was hoping that her priests had won the day. And no doubt when she saw the sky turn black and the rain poured down, she attributed that welcome change to some great intervention by Baal, who you remember was the god of the storm. And then chapter 19, verse 1, our reading this morning began. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Well, you can imagine how that conversation must have gone. And you can imagine how Jezebel must have responded. She was like a lioness robbed of her young. She would have been absolutely livid. Her anger knew no bounds. She was crafty, she was unscrupulous, and she was intriguing with her beguiling beauty. She realized in in an instant the gravity of the situation. All that she had been working towards with introducing Baal worship into Israel, importing her priests, destroying every opportunity she could to worship Israel's God. All this was being destroyed around her. And she must strike, and strike at once, at the instigator of this fledgling reformation. So that very night, in the violence of the storm, she sent a messenger to Elijah saying, the gods will get you for this and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any one of these prophets. Well, Elijah's presence was absolutely vital at this time as the work of destruction had commenced And the people were in the mood to carry it on. The tide was turning and Elijah was needed to direct its flow and keep the people true. And we would have expected Elijah to have received Jezebel's message calmly. Lay it before God like Hezekiah did in some quiet confidence. Assured that God would keep him safe under the shelter of his wings, and maybe there'll be a thousand angels outside the door. This Elijah, who had powerfully given orders to Ahab, and on Mount Carmel, the false prophets, and to the people, he was afraid. Verse 3. 
we read that he ran for his life under cover of night and with his servant. He hurried through the storm across the hills of Samaria towards the extreme south of Judea where Israel's pastures evolve into the dreary expanse of the Arabian desert. Significantly, we read that he left his servant at Beersheba, which was the place of the oath or the well of seven, the very place where centuries before Abraham had dug a well and planted a grove and called upon the name of the Lord. It was also here that God had appeared to Isaac and God made to him the promise that he would have innumerable descendants. And just like his father, Isaac built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. So Beersheba was a place of promise. And as it marked the southernmost boundary of the promised land, you remember in the Old Testament we read from Dan to Beersheba over and over again it marked that southernmost boundary. So it was very significant in Old Testament times. And it was as though Elijah was almost deliberately leaving behind the promises of God. He was leaving behind the last bit of cultivated land to go into the desert. He was turning his back on God. Elijah left his servant and he plodded on alone through the weary hours with blistered feet and scorching sun There were no ravens. There was no Kerith brook to sustain him. There was no comfort of a home in Zarephath. He suffered extreme fatigue and anguish. And he falls down under a broom tree. And he asks to die. I wonder if God is touching your heart this morning. We are reminded that Elijah was a man just like us. And we're all prone to failure in some way. Maybe in the past you've done mighty things for God, but the years have given way to a malaise, a frustration with the church, a disconnection with God's people, and maybe even with God himself. You can identify with Elijah. You know what it is to feel isolated, to be torn down, where the joy of victory on a mountain has turned to the despair of failure in a desert. Maybe things haven't turned out the way that you expected, and your prayers seem to have gone unanswered. The adrenaline rush of Carmel has ebbed and you are caught in a generalized depression caused by stress and anxiety. Maybe coming here to this church in Creech is an escape for you. Or maybe it's an opportunity to renew your relationship with Jesus. 
Maybe you're still suffering from all the effects of COVID, the lockdown, the isolation, the anxiety, and the loss of confidence. It could be that you feel withdrawn. You're no longer able to contribute in a meaningful way. And where even socialising takes a huge amount of effort. Well, the last thing I want to do this morning is to trivialise depression or even offer you some sort of trite answer. As I have said, the causes are multiple and often there are no simple answers. But I do believe that there is a depression caused when we separate ourselves from God. If you follow your Bible reading in the Bible for today, and Nicky Gumbel mentions the Times columnist Bernard Levin, who spoke that there is a hole inside each one of us. And however much you try to fill it with food or drink or relationships or possessions, it aches. You were created for a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And without that relationship, we ache. When we move away from that deep relationship and distance ourselves from God, then life is never quite the same again and we lose purpose. Well, how does God react in love? That's how he reacts in love. And if we were going to sum up the Bible in one word, it would be love. God's love for people. Did God take away Elijah's life as he requested? No. Thankfully, God doesn't always give us what we ask. But he does always listen when we call upon his name. Elijah was totally exhausted. Just think of the stress that he had endured. He had run 18 miles in front of Ahab's chariot. And then, having done that, he rapidly goes through the country. And there is the exhaustion of that adrenaline pumping on Mount Carmel. And we read that God lets him sleep. And then before he knows it, an angel visits him and touches him gently and encourages him to get up and eat. There's nothing quite like the smell of fresh cooked bread, is there, to get your taste buds going. And so he eats and then he lays down again to renew his rest. And then the angel returns a second time with another meal. And in the strength of that, we read he travels 40 days and 40 nights until he reaches Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. What we do know is that food was sufficient for the traveling. And this time, the destination was God's choice. Well, the story doesn't finish here and we're going to hear the rest of the story next week of how God meets with Elijah and gives him the uh, support that he needs. But God helps Elijah in very practical ways. Sufficient rest, first of all. Attention to diet 
are two basic steps towards improving mental health. There's no sure way to prevent mental illness. But if you've got mental illness, taking steps to control stress, to increase your resilience and to boost your low self-esteem may help to keep your symptoms under control. The professional advice is to follow these steps. First of all, pay attention to warning signs. Work with your doctor or your therapist to learn what might trigger your symptoms. Make a plan so that you know what to do if symptoms return. Contact your doctor or your therapist if you notice any change in symptoms or how you feel. And secondly, get routine medical care. I know it's difficult post-COVID trying to get a hold of a doctor sometimes, isn't it? But don't neglect checkups or skip visits to your primary care provider, especially if you're not feeling well. You may have a new health problem that needs to be treated, or you may be experiencing uh, side effects from your medication. And then thirdly, get help when you need it. Mental health conditions can be harder to treat if you wait until the symptoms get bad. And then fourthly, take good care of yourself. You need plenty of sleep. You need a healthy eating and regular physical activity. Try to maintain a regular schedule. Talk to your primary care provider if you've got trouble sleeping or if you have questions about your diet or physical activity. The angel was a reminder that God had not forgotten Elijah. And sometimes God brings alongside us special people to care and watch over us. It could be a Chris. It could be your neighbour. It might be the NHS professionals or a friend with a deep heart or an angel unawares. And the all-sufficiency of the food is a reminder that God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you turn your back on God, will he turn his back on you? Well, the message of the Bible is that it's never too late to turn to God. Praise Him. And the reason is because He still loves us. And no matter who we are or what we've done, He's got open arms to welcome us home. And because He still loves us, He wants to welcome us home. But there is another side to this. Because if God prompts us, and if we delay, our hearts can grow hard and we might put up resistance so that we no longer hear his voice when he calls to us. So if you sense that God is calling to you, even today, make a response. Do something about it. Respond to him today. Very gently, 
God encourages Elijah back onto a right course, to a place where he can fully restore him. And I wonder if you noticed where Elijah ended up. He ends up at Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. It's another name for Mount Sinai. It's upon this mountain that God appeared. God spoke and instructed the Israelites on what following God would look like for them. It's upon this mountain that God made a covenant with his people. And just as God had had an extraordinary encounter with Moses, so he was going to have an extraordinary encounter with Elijah too. God wants to restore you and bring you to that place where you can enjoy a sweet relationship with him. Know the joy of his spirit leading and guiding you. He wants to use you again. He wants to empower you in his service. Let's pray. I don't know how you're feeling this morning. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe God's been speaking to you over a period of time. But we're going to pause for a second so that you can speak to God yourself. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you're feeling right now. Maybe you're, you're in the depths of depression. Maybe it's not working out for you and you need help. Then just we'll pause and speak to God and cry out to him now. Father, we thank you that this story of Elijah reminds us that you still love us. Even when we seem to have failed you, even when we seem to have walked a long way away from you, even when we've turned our back on you, we thank you that you still love us. We cling to your promises. We thank you that the cross of the Lord Jesus shows for all time that you love people. And we thank you that you want us to come home. So Lord, move in our hearts this morning, we pray. Draw us back to yourself. Empower us by your spirit. And use us again, we pray. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish way. Reclothe us in our rightful mind. In purer lives your service find. In deeper reverence, praise. Drop your still dews of quietness till all our strivings cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of your peace. Speak into our souls this morning, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.